This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Morning, everybody. Go ahead and find a place to sit. Hello. Are you out there? There you are. Good morning. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. I'm a father as well. So what a... What a great, great day. I, I, I want to I just talk about that subject for just a minute. Uh, there's always mixed emotions around Father's Day and Mother's Day. And for those of you who are doing a great job and knocking it out of the park with your kids, for those of you who have or had a father who knocked it out of the park for you, what an awesome day. But for those of us who somehow got robbed of a father, or we had an absent father or, or for any reason whatsoever, or maybe we had a terrible father that we would like to have just leave, but he wouldn't go. Um, I know that this day has some mixed emotions for you. And uh, my prayer is that somehow, even though I'm not going to be talking about fatherhood, Co- Cody just did an awesome job of leading us. Yes, in a, in a wonderful realization that you don't have to earn God's love. And my prayer is that somehow in this service that God would begin to rewrite the narrative that you have about fatherhood, maybe not about your own father, maybe, but that he would rewrite the narrative you have about fatherhood uh, because that would begin to bring some healing and freedom in your life. The second thing that I want to talk about this morning is for all of you who are brand new to New Life, this is your first Sunday here, welcome to you. This is is a wonderful place for you, and I want you to know that God is in the people business, he's not in the rule-making business. Are you on board with that? that? Yes, aren't we all glad that God's in the people business, because we are all people, and My prayer for you this morning, uh, whether you're just passing through or whether uh, somebody has brought you here because it's Father's Day or whether you're looking for a church home or you're just confused in life and, and as people often tell me when they come, Pastor, I'm here because I don't actually know anywhere else to go. If this doesn't work for me, I don't know what I'm gonna do. If that's you, um, hey, God's in the people business, and he's so glad you're here, and so are we. So I'm going to start out with a short prayer, uh, and then we'll jump into what I'm going to teach you about this morning. God, thank you that you are in the people business, and thank you that you love us, and we don't have to earn your love. Thank you that you're actually interested in our lives, and that you care about us, and not just about the world as a whole, but you care about us individually. And you have the amazing ability to meet each one of us right here, right now, in the midst of whatever we're going through. And Lord, would you speak to each one of us a very clear message today? Would you apply it, help us apply it right where we are? And God, for those that, uh, who need to rewrite their narrative about fatherhood, would you do in them the beginning of that work this morning. 
and for those fathers who might be discouraged and just need a pat on the back, would you do that right here, right now? God, we bless you. There is no dad like you. You are indeed the world's greatest father. We bless you and we thank you and we pray it. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Okay, I have a story to tell you. We are in the middle of a series of teachings called The Invisible War, and I'll talk to you a little bit more about that in a minute. But I want to set it up because the the subject of the morning is the subject of deception. Last week, Kevin said that, that, the, that Satan has a one-two punch, and the first punch is the punch of deception. So I'm going to talk about that all morning long, and I want to start out with a story out of my childhood. I grew up in Iowa. By the way, if I haven't met you, my name is Ron, and I'm the founding pastor of our church. I'll be hanging out in the lobby afterwards. If you have questions or want to talk, I would love to get to meet you. So I grew up in Iowa, and uh, I grew up in a farm church. Every single family in that church was a farmer except for one guy, and he worked for John Deere. Okay? How's that? So it's about as rural as you can get. And it just so happened that when I was a teenager, there was about a dozen to 15 of us teenage boys in that church. So what do a dozen to 15 teenage boys do on an intolerably hot Sunday afternoon when you're bored? Nothing good. (laughs) No, you're right. One of the guys says, hey, the chickens always get up in the haymow, that's the attic of the barn, and they lay eggs up there and we never go get them. So how about if we go up there and see how many rotten eggs we can collect, and then we'll choose up two teams and we will play Rotten Eggs War. Mark, did you say nothing good? (laughs) Yeah. That's, I heard somebody back there go, that's awesome right? So that's what we did. We went up and we collected about 40 eggs. Some of them were already greenish blue. They were awesome. So, and, and we chose up teams and we divided the eggs up equally. And then we sent one team this direction and the other team that direction. And it was sort of like hide and bomb was how that worked, right? So the team that I was on, we decided we were having a really hard time finding them. and No one wanted to come out in the open. So we finally said, okay, what we need is a decoy. So one brave soul said, I'll do it. So he took off out in the open where he knew that the other team could see him. And they were all back hiding. They went, whoa, there he goes, there he goes. Let's go get him. And they all took off running after him, trying to pelt him with these rotten eggs. Little did they know, he was leading them right through where we were. We had people on this side, and we had people on that side. And when they came through, we bombed them. It was a cluster bomb of rotten eggs, man. (laughs) And, And, you know, it was so fun. Now, here's the principle. By the way, you know what we did after that? We all, no, this is a farm. Come on now. Teenage boys, we all jumped in the pond, clothes and all. That's how that worked, right? Because it was like 100 degrees and 90% humidity. So now, here's the, here's the moral to the story. 
and I want you to, it's in your notes, okay? What we did is we deceived that team, right? We intentionally misled them to think they were winning when they were, in fact, about ready to lose big time. Now, the lesson I don't want you to forget is when we get deceived, life stinks. Got it? Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's true not only in a rotten eggs war. That's actually true in all the rest of life. Here's what I want you to know. Wherever there's any form of deception, okay, you're going to have two things. Number one, you're going to have a loss of freedom. Every form of deception brings bondage. You can write that down in the margins. Every form of deception brings bondage. So the first thing you're going to experience is bondage. And the amazing thing about deception is you don't even know you're in bondage because you don't actually know you're deceived. The second thing you're going to experience is a loss of joy. Because wherever there's a loss of freedom, genuine freedom, there will be a loss of joy. I know that this morning in our lives that there is significant bondage. My prayer for all of us is today that in some area where we are being deceived and therefore in bondage and we don't even realize it, that God would begin to peel back whatever is that deception is, and that he will begin to rewrite a true narrative about that area in our life. Are you up for that? Okay. The second thing that we're going to do is we're going to talk about the two areas of protection that we have. And we're going to talk about how to leverage these two weapons that God has given us in ways that will diminish and could actually eliminate these areas of deception in our lives. So that's, that's what we're headed into. Let's jump straight into 1 Peter chapter 5. This is the Bible teaching. This is what Peter, the apostle, wrote. Stay alert. That means if you're asleep right now, it's time to wake up. Got it? Okay. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. I want you to underline the word your. I think one of the biggest areas of danger is that most of us think that Satan is God's enemy, but not necessarily ours. Do I need to say that again? We tend to look at Satan as God's enemy, but not necessarily ours. Peter, the apostle who was trained by Jesus, said it completely different. He said, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. There are three kingdoms that are present right here. The first two, you have no option but to participate in. You were born into them. The first is an earthly kingdom, and it's, it's the part of us that we see, touch, feel, all that stuff. You were born a physical human being, so you were born into this earthly kingdom. The second kingdom that takes place, or world, that, that is right here, is the spirit world or the spiritual world. 
And you were born not just a physical being, you were born a spiritual being, and I'm going to show you in a few minutes how that works. But because you are both physical and spiritual, you were born into the spiritual world as well. It's an invisible world. And just like in the physical world, there are very powerful forces that seek to rule you in that world. Now the third world that exists, and this is the optional one, and it's actually the best one, is the kingdom of heaven. And the amazing thing about the kingdom of heaven is it's more powerful than the physical world and it's more powerful even than the spiritual world because the king of the kingdom of heaven is Jesus. And he has the power to write the proper narratives about both the physical world and the spiritual world. And that, my friends, is why you come to church. It's to learn the true narratives, the truth about those things. And we'll jump into that in just a few minutes. So that's the first scripture. Now the second scripture I want to point us to is this. The ancient serpent called the devil or Satan is the one who is deceiving the whole world. Circle and underline the word deceiving. Because that's what we are going to focus on this morning. And we're going to do this by going back and looking at the first deception. Okay? It's back on probably the second or third page in your Bible. It's back in Genesis chapter 3. Okay? And here's what the Bible says. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. I should have put in brackets after the serpent the devil, because as the story unfolds, that's exactly who that is. That's Satan or the devil. And the first thing that I want you to know is any deception that Satan brings your way or my way will be well-crafted. He is the shrewdest of all the wild animals, all the creatures that God made. I can tell you, without a doubt, I don't care what your IQ is, if you and Satan are in a match, you will lose, okay? He is smarter than you are and more powerful than you are. But here's the promise of Scripture. The one who lives in you, if you're in the kingdom of heaven, the one who lives in you is greater than the one who lives in this world. That sound good? Yeah, that's great. Let's follow this a little bit further. So Satan's deception was well-crafted. Now, here's what happens next. One day, he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Is that not a very clever question? There's a couple of things that we want to point out out of that question. Take a look. And the first one is this. Satan questioned the accuracy of the truth that Eve already knew. He said, did God say that you can't eat of this one tree in the garden? He's wanting her to question that. By the way, when you start to question the truth that you already know, especially the truth that you already know about God, okay? Sometimes, not always. If you have a wrong narrative about God, it's probably good to question that. But when you know something is right, but you want to do something that you know you shouldn't do, one of the first things that you will do is you'll begin to question the truth that you already know. Because you're looking for a way out of it. 
And that's what Satan did. He wanted Eve to question what she already knew. The second thing he did was this. He questioned God's goodness. See, what he implied in that question, did God really say, you must not eat from the fruit of any of the trees? He is inferring that a good God would never say no. But God did say no. A good God would never say no. By the way, we live in Sonoma County, most of us. One of the narratives that we tend to carry because of our culture is a good God would never say no to me. If this feels good and it's fun and it looks good to me, a good God would actually never say no to anything that looks good, feels good, and is fun. Can I help you rewrite that narrative If you've ever had a two-year-old, okay, another story out of my life. I'm five years old. I'm in the pantry with my mom, and we are mixing up some chocolate chip cookies. And she's looking for ways to involve me in that process. So she says to me, Ron, would you take that bottle of vanilla, here's a teaspoon, and would you pour in a teaspoon of vanilla, and then put it right here in the mixing bowl. So I take the lid off the vanilla, and it smells really good. And I pour the teaspoon full, and I put it in there, and I say to her, can I just have a teaspoon of that? And she looked at me and said, you're not going to like that. I said, really, why? She said, it does not taste good. Don't eat from that tree in the garden. I did exactly what Eve did. Oh, thank you, Mom. And then when she was gone, I went back into the pantry. I got down the bottle of vanilla. And I said, if a teaspoon of this stuff smells good, a tablespoon has to be better. Right? Hey! Looks good to me. Isn't that the title of the message? I poured myself a nice tablespoon. And I started gulping for air. Never had anything smelled so good and tasted so bad. Yeah. You got it? Here's the point. I questioned my mother's goodness. A good mother would never say no to anything that smelled that good unless she was trying to hoard it for herself. (laughs) That was my narrative right there. Yeah. Okay. Let's see how the story unfolds. Of course, this is Eve talking, of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only that fruit Uh, from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. And here's the deal. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it because if you do, you'll die. Here's what you need to see, which is so important. At this point, Eve believes that God is for her. 
She doesn't look at that as something that God's trying to keep from her. She's looking at that and saying, I am so grateful that I have a God who loves me enough that he told me about that tree because otherwise I would have gone up and eaten from that tree and it would have killed me. She wasn't deceived. Let's move on in the story. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Now, three things happen here. Let's take a look at this. The first is Satan used a piece of the truth. Here is the honest-to-God truth. All deception is based on some truth. The key word there is some. What was true about what he said? Their eyes would be opened and they would know both good and evil, correct? Yeah, that's the truth. And by the way, any point in our lives where we are deceived, there is a kernel of truth in there somewhere, which is what makes us hang on to it and believe it to be fully true when it's only partially true. The second thing that happens here is Satan twists that truth. He said, you want to know the truth? When your eyes are opened and you know both good and evil, you will be like God. Was that true? You sure? That was nowhere close to true. When they ate the fruit, did they feel like, I'm God, I could create universes now. No, they were nothing like God. They were like God only in one way. They had some form of understanding of good and evil. And the third thing that happened is this. Satan lied to her about the consequences. He said, you won't die. Now, I want to pull over the side of the road from teaching and I want to preach for just a minute. That same thing happens in our lives over and over and over again. And one of the easiest things to do and one of the most natural things to do is to take a truth from the Bible and to take the Bible and begin to pick and choose what parts we want to follow and we think are true. And when we do, you know what we usually do? We buy into a lie about the consequences. We think, if I do that, it will not be bad. It looks good. It feels good. Hello. Smells like vanilla. It's going to be good. I'm pretty sure of it. And friends, that's true in everything from stealing from the company to how you behave in marriage to sexual morality and sexual immorality. I mean, I could just go right on down the list because different ones of us, different things appeal to us. And one of the toughest things to do is to actually believe God when something looks good to us, might even smell good to us, but in the end, it will not actually be good for us. You see, here's how we were made. I brought this little Russian doll up here. 
because, and if you've been here for a year or two, I brought, I brought her out before, all right? And, and I want to sh- show you how this works. This, this exterior part of us is the part that everybody sees. That's our body, okay? It's the part of us that everybody interacts with. Inside of our body is a really important thing called our soul, okay? And our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. That's also really important. By the way, you can see this. You cannot see this, correct? Okay? Inside, way down inside us, is a thing called our spirit. Okay? The important thing to know is that the battle for your life, the invisible war, takes place primarily here. What Satan wants to do is mess with our minds, but, but here's where deception takes place. He wants to mess with our minds without us realizing he's actually messed with our minds. Because if Satan walked up and said, hello, my name is Satan and I'm here to mess with your mind, we might not buy it nearly so quickly, right? So he doesn't do that. He messes with our minds. Now listen, I talked to you a while ago about the three kingdoms. All three of those, you, you can't put one in one kingdom and one in another kingdom and another one in another kingdom. You are an integrated person. Wherever this part of you goes, that part and that part go too. Also, whatever you allow your mind to dwell on will definitely affect what you do with your body and it will definitely affect how you feel in your spirit. But also, whatever you do with your spirit will affect how you think with your mind and will affect what you do with your body. You are an integrated being that has all three of these working together. And whatever you do with one, you actually drag it into the others. And if you decide to do something that's sinful with your body, eventually you will drag it into your soul and eventually you will taint your spirit. Everybody on board with that? Understand how that works? So, here's what happened to Eve. The woman was convinced she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. Hence the title, Looks Good to Me. Right? She wanted the wisdom it would give her. You got it? That's this. The battle in her mind. Satan was messing with her mind. She wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. And their lives were never the same, and our world's never been the same. Right? Yeah, that's how that all worked. So how did Satan get to her? He got to her because, in her case, he used her mind also. He used her body. She looked at the fruit, and it what? Looked good. And it was what? Beautiful. And because of that, he got to her spirit. She wrote a wrong narrative about God. And she decided that God was not for her. He was against her. And all of that combined convinced her will. She changed her mind, her will, and she decided to eat. So what protection does God give us? Because I can tell you very clearly. Have you ever manipulated your children? Shake your head like this. 
if you've ever had kids or babysat anybody else's kids, you have manipulated them. I remember one morning when our kids were little, and you know how kids are, whatever they think you want, they want, right? So I got up, and for whatever reason, I was really in the mood for Cheerios, and when I lifted the box, I realized there was only one bowl of Cheerios left in the box. So all three of my kids were sitting at the table, and I said to them, hey, who wants Cheerios this morning? I'll have Wheaties, I'll have shredded wheat, I'll have kicks. Okay. I poured them out and I ate my Cheerios. Why did I suggest Cheerios? If you've ever had kids, you know. It was the only surefire way I was going to get them. Yeah. Listen. When Satan comes to do battle with you, he is so much more crafty than you are. that if you don't have some sort of divine weapon, he can manipulate you so quickly. I want to talk to you, the balance of our time, about the two divine weapons that God gives us. And they are amazingly powerful, but here's my concern. My concern is that they are so simple that you will just rule them out. Or you won't actually give them full consideration. So let me read you a verse and then we'll jump into that. Here's the verse. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Does that sound like it might protect us and help us set the right narratives? Yeah. The first protection that God has given you is the truth. Okay? And I'm not talking about partial truth. I'm talking about the whole truth. And and the Bible is the only source of pure truth. Okay? So then the real question that we're going to press into in a minute is, how do I get this here? In fact, David wrote this in the Psalms. He said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. In other words, I'm not going to be deceived and go out and do something that I think is right and it's actually wrong. And David said, my protection is this. So how do I get from this, this, from here into here? Well, there are three primary ways that you can do that. And the first is by coming to church. Hey, you're already a third there, right? Here's the only catch. You have to come more than once, all right? Got it? Yeah. It's why we encourage you to come to church every week. Because every time you come, you give God an opportunity to take a piece of this and get it here where you need it. Right? Get it here where you need it. And that's why establishing a regular pattern of church attendance and actually listening, and you guys are so great, whether it's Kevin or Angela or me or anybody else, you listen so well. And that's why Kevin and Angela and I work so hard at teaching you is because we want to make sure that everything we teach you is a slice of this. Got it? Yeah. Second thing is life groups. 
It's why we encourage every one of you to get, to get into a life group. And, and when you go to your life groups this week, uh, we're going to pull out some scriptures and we're going to look at a portion of this topic I didn't even teach you about this morning. But the whole goal behind it is to take another slice of this about the topic of deception and get it from here to here and here. Okay? And the third thing is this. It's the most difficult to do. It's not hard to come to church, right? Because church is what? You guys got it. Yeah. <laughs> church is fun. It's not hard to come here. It's not even hard to go to your life group because life groups are what? Fun. Yeah, yeah, you got it. They are, and they should be. Okay? But the third part of this is daily reading. And can I tell you that if you will take the time to read daily from this, not just a verse, but to spend 10 to 15 minutes every day reading in this, it will increase the protection in your life and it will reduce the bondage in your life and it will increase the joy in your life. Okay? It's not something you do just to check off the list. The goal is to get this from here, from here to here and here. I want to talk to you about the second thing that God has given us. Great, great area of protection. And that is the voice. You want to hear something funny? Okay. I'm telling you the two greatest areas of, of protection and their initials are TV. Got it? Not the TV in your living room. Okay? We're talking about truth and the voice. And this may be new information to many of you, but I want to talk to you about this guy right here. This gal, your spirit. Did you know that God talks to you in your spirit? And God has been talking to you almost from the moment you were born. But if no one ever told you that, and no one ever taught you how to distinguish God's voice from all the other voices, you are missing 50% of the protection God designed for you. I want to talk to you about that. Here's what the Bible says. I pray out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in what? Your inner being. Friends, that's this. And if your kingdom of heaven experience only goes this deep, got it? You are missing God's work in your inner being. Let me read you another passage of scripture. It says, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to what? Leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Again, talking about this part of us. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and never will. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by what? The spirit. This is where the spirit will speak to you. This is the voice. Now, in order to hear God's voice, number one, you have to know that he does have a voice. Jesus said in John chapter 10, he said, I'm the good shepherd. And listen, he said, my sheep know my voice. Whether you've been a Christian for 
decades, or whether you're here for the very first time, God wants to speak to you in your spirit. And he has a message for you. And when you come to a fork in the road and you have a decision to make, when Eve was in the garden that day and the serpent was saying to her, has God said you can't eat from that tree? Did you know that God's voice was speaking to Eve in her spirit? And God was actually giving her messages of truth and reassuring her of his goodness and that she could rely on him and actually told her what choice to make. But just like Eve did, you and I have the opportunity to override the voice of God in our spirit. But don't for a moment think, because you have overridden the voice of God, that it's not there. It is. Okay? It is. But you not only need to listen to it, Okay? You need to follow it. Here's why. Two reasons. Number one, life's always better when you do. Got that? That's, that's pretty obvious, right? Okay? But here's number two. And this is one that's not quite so obvious. When you override God's voice, it makes it more difficult to hear the next time. And of all the voices in your world that you want to hear and that you don't want to miss, you don't want to miss God's. So as you and I leave today, here's a great thing. We walk out into an invisible war and we have the opportunity to do something about it. Because the weapons that we have, they're not worldly weapons. They're invisible weapons. They're the weapons of truth and the voice of God. And so we leave this place and we are ready for whatever takes place out there if we have the truth of God not just here but here and here and if we have tuned our ear to hear his voice. Now if you look at me and go, whoa pastor, I don't think I've ever heard God's voice before in my spirit. Well guess what? If you go home this week and you say, my one and only goal in this week is I want to hear God speaking to me. I'll give you a little hint. Don't sit in front of the TV as the the warriors are whipping the calves tonight. Okay? And don't use that moment to try to hear God's voice. Okay, if you're going to hear God's voice, you've got to go get where it's only you and God. Okay? And if you want to hear from him, you will. So there are a couple ways to apply this. And the first is, I left it intentionally blank, I will. Because only God knows where you are right now and what you need to do next. But based on everything you've heard this morning, I want you to write something in there. This week, I will. And by the way, if you don't know what to write in there, listen. I'm pretty sure you'll hear. And the second thing is, remember the three kingdoms? You were born into the first two. Those are not optional. The third one, the kingdom of heaven, is the one that God makes available to you. I want to encourage you, opt to get into that kingdom 
today. Jesus is the only one who can take you there. It took his death on a cross to pay the penalty for your sins so you could get into that kingdom. And it takes his invitation, and it's his invitation, not mine. So if you've never made a first-time decision to follow Christ and get in that kingdom, before you leave this place today, get in that kingdom. I'm going to lead you in a short prayer. If you're ready to make that decision, here's the short prayer. And you can repeat it right where you are. Lord Jesus, please take me into your kingdom. I'm in for following you for the rest of my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I thank you for receiving me today. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.